0: Again, I want to thank Brother Gaddis, uh, Miss Angie, you passed it along to Brother Jason, how honored I am to be able to stand in for him. I, I counted a great blessing and a, a real serious uh, responsibility. So uh, several have been praying for me. I covet that, I thank you very much and uh, praise the Lord again for the opportunity. have your Bibles, turn to the handbook for church planning. <clears throat> The book of Acts, that's the handbook for church planning, for church ministry, really. Anything has to do with the church, this is our handbook. Enough already of all these new gurus and their insight, no. No one any wiser than our Lord and he's the same yesterday, today and forever, Book of Acts chapter 20, if you would. Book of Acts chapter 20. Begin at verse number six, Acts chapter 20 and verse six. Luke, the human instrument here, he says, we sailed away, Luke and the team of the apostle Paul from Philippi after the days of unleavened bread and came unto them to Troas in five days where we abode seven days. And upon the first day of the week when the disciples came together to break bread, Paul preached unto them, ready to depart on the morrow and continued his speech until midnight. (laughs) I'm a Baptist preacher, I love that, I love that. (laughs) And there were many lights in the upper chamber where they were gathered together and there sat in a window a certain young man named uh, Eutychus being fallen into a deep sleep. I mean, come on, he went till midnight. And as Paul was long preaching, yeah, he sunk down with sleep and fell down from the third loft and was taken up dead. And Paul went down and fell on him and embracing him said, trouble not yourselves for his life is in him. And he therefore was come up again and had broken bread and eaten and talked a long while, even till break of day. So he departed and they brought the young man alive and were not a little comforted. Let's pray. Thank you again, Heavenly Father, for today, the Lord's Day. Thank you for the time in your house. Thank you for this place in which we can meet. And again, I'm thankful for the honor in which to stand here tonight. And I pray, Lord, you'd help me now. I pray your, your Holy Spirit would anoint me and empower me, strengthen me, simply use me for your glory. And Lord, I pray that a message tonight. I don't know the need of every heart, but I know that you do. And I know you can take the message and apply it to the individual need, and I pray you would do that. I pray come the end of tonight, the end of this day, we will all be able to say it's been good to have been in the house of the Lord. And So we ask your blessing now upon the remainder of the service and certainly the preaching of your word. And I'll praise you and thank you for what you're going to do. In Jesus' precious name, amen. You may be seated. You think this was an event that the church there in Troas might remember? <laughs> I've been told by several that you had an incident in, in your services last week that everybody remembers. <laughs> in fact, they're still remembering it. They're still talking about it. But uh, this was uh, quite, quite an event, quite an uh, instance in which uh, something quite different, you could say, would have happened in the services. I would I would submit it this way too. Do you think the young lad learned anything? <laughs> Don't go to sleep in the service, especially if you're sitting in the window on the third floor. Uh, but uh, isn't it an interesting story? And you kind of read it. You say, "Well, it's kind of novel. It's a little bit humorous in a sense." Uh, but it's given for our learning. It's for our admonition. So there's something here. I think. Uh, probably more than one or two somethings. Uh, The Word of God is inexhaustible. You can read a passage, come on, have you been there? Read a passage that you know very well and come back to it again, you say, I I never really realized that, I never saw that before. Uh, This isn't just a printed page, come on, this is a living book, yeah. And, uh, but this this account is written, given there, recorded uh, for our learning. And I think there's something here, uh, certainly to glean from it. And I think, Uh, Eutychus is kind of used as an example in that way of some things that I think the Lord uh, would maybe teach us or have us to know. First, when I say this, Eutychus was where he ought to be. He's in church. (laughs) Amen, this is Sunday night. If you're a member of Southwest Baptist Church, you're supposed to be here. You ought to want to be here. Psalmist said, I was glad when they said to me, let's go to the house of the Lord, yeah, amen but you're supposed to be here. Come on, this is the Lord's house, this is the Lord's day. This is not golf day, football day, this is the Lord's day. And uh, you're supposed to be in God's house. I mentioned, I think this morning, I was raised in a Christian home for which I'm forever indebted, thank God for. Uh, My dad uh, learned pretty soon when I was yet pretty young that he was to be the spiritual leader of the home, and he was, and uh, our family was one. Some, I, I know there's a whole room full of people here can identify with this. Our family was one when the church door squeaked, we were there, you know. He didn't have to announce something that would pump us up and encourage us to make a, made a point of being here. When the church met, we were there, you know. And I've often said as a young man, I, one of the most foolish things, questions I ever could have asked my dad was, dad, are we going to church this Sunday? <laughs> he would probably look at me like, have you lost your mind? <laughs> Why would you even ask such a question? The Lydex go to church, hello. Uh, come on, this is God's house, this is God's day. We're God's people. God has a message and a word of, uh, from his word for us. And so again, uh, the house of God, you ought to be there. Old B.R. Lakin, some may know that name. I heard him say this one time. He said, I found most people die in hospitals. He said, so I stay clear away from there. <laughs> <laughs> he said, and the least likely place that people die is in church, he said, so I live there. <laughs> Well, I would like to think there's a whole lot more benefit than that. Amen. But yeah, God help us to know our responsibility. Come on. God intends to do great things in our lives if we're under the teaching and preaching of the word. And this is the place you're supposed to be. I I tell folks all the time, I hope you don't serve God because you have to. You know, this is a big enough church. I know you can might be here and they may not miss you. They may not have counted your head, but God missed you. (laughs) And uh, this is where you're supposed to be. But again, I I pray you don't serve God because you have to. I I serve God because I want to. He loved me. He gave himself for me. He loved me first. So therefore I love him. I love his work. I love his cause. I love his word. I love preaching. I love to hear preaching. I love to be under the teaching and preaching of the Word of God, and I need to be. And so Eudicus, bless his heart, he's where he ought to be. He was in church. But You know, Satan can also attack us even in church. Be sober, be vigilant 24 (laughs) seven, no matter where you are. You know, you read here in the book of Acts, uh, you start in the first few chapters there, and man, of course the Lord Jesus empowering them, bringing the Holy Spirit. And I mean, the church is on fire. It's a steamroller, baby. I'm telling you, they're seeing people saved by the thousands. They're turning as the Bible records, they're saying they're turning the world upside down. Well, in fact, we know they're really turning it right side up, but I mean, they're, they're having an impact beyond comprehension, really. People saved by the droves. They, they said probably by six, eight months after the coming of the Holy Spirit, there's more saved people in Jerusalem than there were lost. I mean, they've turned the city and the whole area upside down and it's great. And they're they're going forward. I'm telling you, it's just a wonderful thing to read about. And I can only imagine what it must have been to experience it. But as you're rolling along, you roll into chapter five. And someone said Satan was fighting the church from the outside and he was making no headway whatsoever. But he found a key way of attack, he moved inside the church. Right. Right. <laughs> Ananias and Sapphira, and you know that sordid story. And ever since Acts chapter five, he's found an effective way to work against what goes on in a place like this. And you better know, he, has, he found out it works. He hasn't given up on it. If it, <laughs> if it ain't broke, don't fix it. And he's working it over time. Okay? And we know, I mean, if you've been in church very long at all, It doesn't take long. Somebody gets their feelings hurt or they're not mentioned when they did something. Really? (laughs) I mean, really? Who are you serving? Who are you serving? If you're serving men, I was telling some of the students this last week, you're serving men, I I gotta tell you, you won't last very long. Because they'll hurt you, they'll abuse you. Yeah, they'll do you wrong. (laughs) But if you're serving the Lord, he'll never abuse you. Exactly. He'll never do you wrong. Keep, keep your focus on where it's supposed to be, yeah, yeah. upon the Lord. But again, I, I think too, you know, we've got some pretty puny Christians, frankly. Someone said the, the, the determination, kind of the, the way to gauge your value or your stamina is what's it take to stop you? We've heard the war stories, somebody, they didn't pick the kind of carpet, I didn't like it and I'm leaving. (laughs) Really? What's it take to stop you? Come on, people are people wherever you go. The problems you leave here, I'll meet and greet you the next place you go. God help us to have some stamina, have a little grit in our crawl, a little determination, a little bit more commitment to the cause of our dear savior. He's where he ought to be. But again, Satan, he works the aisles here too. Eutychus, he was where he ought to be. He was doing what he ought to do. He was sitting under preaching. Look at verse number number nine. There sat in the window a certain man, a young man named Eutychus being fallen into a deep sleep as Paul was long (laughs) preaching. Paul was long preaching. He was sitting under preaching God helped us to sit under preaching, but he was sitting under good preaching. I'm thankful you've got a place here you can come and maybe with the exception of today, <laughs> you can come with the expectation you're gonna hear some good preaching, you know? And that's the kind of preaching that changes the life. You know, what is it? Well, Paul told Timothy, preach the word. <clears throat> I've had in my 41 years, I've had some ex- interesting experiences we're in a military community, so we have a lot of people coming and going. We had a lot of visiting families that would come of our members and folks. And so <clears throat> I would have an assortment of different kinds of people come through from time to time. And just like this morning at the end of the service, I would go out toward the foyer, the lobby, people are leaving and greeting people. And I'm telling you, more, more times than I can count, I've had little comments like this. Boy, preacher, it's sure nice to be in a church that uses the Bible. (laughs) I said, excuse me? I've been in churches, these people would say, I've been in a church where the Reverend opened some news magazine or he took some newsworthy thing and he read some account and then he tried to make some spiritual application. (laughs) Preach the Word. Preach the word. You young students, when you get out, don't buy into some of this craziness, some of this nonsense. Preach the word, just rear back and preach the word. I'm thankful as a preacher, I'm telling you, if you were were dependent upon me mustering up something that would get your attention and hold your attention, uh, you probably wouldn't have come back tonight. I don't have anything to say. I'm thankful I have the word of God for which I can preach that. But God has a lot to say, yes he does. And his his truth speaks to every aspect of our lives. Yeah, doing what he ought to do, sitting under good preaching. <clears throat> I uh, I give you something. Some of you that go back a few years, one of your bus kids. His name's Matt Spurling. He got saved, came up in this church. He buses picked him up. Bus workers, let me tell you. Only ha- only heaven's going to reveal some things amazing, uh, the impact you've made that you're not even aware of. But in this case, many of you here may be aware of Brother Matt Sperling. He's pastoring the Ottawa Bible Baptist Church in Ottawa, Iowa. Let me tell you, he's doing a great job. He's a good preacher. You want to hear some good preaching? You ought to have Brother Matt come back if you haven't. Man, he can preach. Anyway, uh, <clears throat> some years ago, he, he took a church there that had been started, but it was you know, really a baby church and struggling, and he took it, and man, he's just done such a great job, but they couldn't get a building. They were meeting in a storefront for years, and uh, an old mainline church, an old congregational church was dying. Surprise, surprise, uh, they don't preach the word. They're dying, they had a handful of some old folks, and they approached him one day about, would he be interested in their building? And, and the building was built in 1910, but it is magnificent and they've kept it up. I mean, it's a beautiful building. And uh, so they <laughs> approached him. If he would be interested in their building, he said, well, well yeah, but I, can't, <laughs> I know we can't afford that. And they said, well, uh, $20,000, you know, and uh, we want you to have the building, he said, well, and he's thinking, down payment, you know, $20,000. Well, I know, but, and we've saved some money, but we, and he couldn't, he, the guy kept saying, I'm talking about $20,000. And he said, no, but I, but we can't take, we're such young, we, we couldn't keep the, what it would cost to get the billing and make the payments. He kept going, on. the guy wanted to slap him, he said, uh, look at me, I'm saying $20,000, that's what we want we want you to have the building for $20,000. Well, then they turned around after, after he finally went with that and they put a whole new roof on it. They spent, they spent the $20,000 doing the roof and everything. He got a free building basically, yeah. incredible. If you ever up that way, you ought to stop in. It's amazing, it's a beautiful building, incredible. Anyway, he got, I mean, he got the forks and spoons and <laughs> everything that went with the building. They, a few of them went down the, eight miles down the road to a church in another town, another congregational church, and went there. But they said so many churches are becoming restaurants and clothing stores. They wanted their church to be a church. So they gave him their building. Well, anyway, he, I say he got everything. He got the library, everything, records. I mean, everything. So one day he said, I, I was just reading through some of the records, you know. Back in 1921, I think it was, Billy Sunday preached there. <laughs> and they, they, you know, they gave a record of it and they said that people were hanging in the windows. I mean, they couldn't get everybody in the building. The whole town turned out to hear Billy Sunday, you know. And, uh, <laughs> and so this, this man that he dealt with that, you know, that gave him the building. He said, say, he said, I heard Billy Sunday was in your church years ago. He said, who? (laughs) Yeah. I told Matt, I said, I can only imagine when you got in there and started preaching, that church went, ah, uh, we're here and preaching again. It's amazing, you know? Yeah, preach the word, amen, preach the word. (laughs) Eutychus, he was where he ought to be. He was doing what he ought to do. He was realizing what he ought to realize. Look again at verse number nine. It says, Paul was long preaching and he sunk down with sleep and fell down from the third loft and was taken up dead. I can't help but think, we're talking about Troas. That's kind of an interesting place for Paul. I think he was probably glad to be there. He had a, he probably had a memorable occasion one day when he came through Troas and he had this Macedonian call. Anybody remember that? Well, now he's back there and he's preaching. And I'm thinking, man, that must have been like Billy Sunday. They're packing the place out, you know, and (laughs) I mean, they're up in the third loft and uh, maybe somebody said to Eutychus or maybe a young man, he's thinking, well, here, madam, you can have my seat and I'll sit up here in the window, you know. But as it went on and on (laughs) and on, and he realized he had some physical limitations and he falls asleep. Hello, the spirit truly is willing, but the flesh is weak. And Eutychus was gonna learn in a very memorable way he had physical limitations, as do we all. Some would enjoy this little illustration too. Years ago, uh, A.V. Henderson was preaching at a fellowship meeting. And if I remember right, I was in Abilene, Texas. I don't recall for sure, but <clears throat> if you're familiar with A.V. Henderson, someone said he's a preaching machine you know, and you turn him on, he'll be sitting back here and like Brother Inman would introduce him. I mean, he's starting to preach before he gets to the pulpit, you know, and it's interesting to watch him when he's waiting to preach. He's like a racehorse in a, you know, in the, <laughs> in the gate. He, he's just, he can't wait to get up there, you know. Well, this, this occasion it was a fellowship meeting. And so this church had this lady uh, sing a special before he preached. And, uh, And she kind of forgot what she's supposed to do, so she started giving a testimony. And she went on and on and on. And Dr. Henderson, it was interesting watching him. You could tell (laughs) he's about endured about all this. He can, he's gonna get up there and preach. So finally she stopped and uh, sang her song and got off the platform. He got up to the pulpit, this is the first thing he said, our hearts can only enjoy as much as our seats can endure. (laughs) That's the first thing he said when he got up. I felt kind of bad for the lady, but you got to know A.V. Anderson, that's him, you know. But here's the thing, he said it well, our hearts can only endure what our seats can, our hearts can enjoy what our seats can endure. We have physical limitations, yeah, and, I've said, I think I said in the class the other day, I like to tell folks, hey, I'm better looking than this. I'm stuck in this clay pot, you know? This is not the real me, but we're all stuck in these clay pots, you know? And we're limited, we don't have the ability we'd like to have because we're limited by our physical condition. And we live in physical conditions. The Lord talks about, he set the bounds of our habitation. And, Learning to pace yourself and all the things involved, we, we have limitations, but we have again, the physical condition itself. You, you go to the Grand Canyon, God has set laws in our habitation. One's called gravity. You can be as spiritual as you wanna be and <laughs> can be, but if you walk off the edge, brother, you're falling all the way to the bottom. You know That's just a law and the physical conditions that we face. Uh, <clears throat> Automobiles are some of the most dangerous machines in the world. I have the we homeschooled and so I had my daughters, I taught them to drive. I survived it. <laughs> but I, I drummed into their head. I said, the most dangerous thing you will probably do every day is get in an automobile. You need to be mindful of that. Come on, it's a it's a physical condition that we face. It's perilous, okay? And we're supposed to take care of our physical bodies. It's the temple of the Holy Spirit. Yeah, we're supposed to care for it. You young people, you would probably know, if you don't, you need to know. The number one killer of teenagers is accidental death. Brother Richard King, some know him, uh, he said some time back, he said, uh, you know what the famous last words of the teenage daredevil were? Hey, watch this, (laughs) yeah. Well, again, the point is this, we live in perilous conditions because we live in a physical condition and life is frail and it's very fragile. And Eutychus learned that firsthand as he fell out of the, (laughs) the window. So again, being where he ought to be, yes. Doing what he ought to do, yes. Realizing what he ought to realize and come on, This physical condition is not our friend. The Apostle Paul himself said, I die daily. I beat my body and bring it into subjection. Come on, we got this thing going against us here. And so we need to be mindful of that, the physical limitation and the physical condition itself. Number four, Eutychus was recognizing what he ought to recognize. And that's God's involvement in God's work. Look at verse number 10. And Paul went down, fell on him, embracing him, said, trouble not yourselves, for his life is in him. When he therefore was come up again and had broken bread and eaten and talked a long while, even till the break of day. So he departed. God's involvement. Aren't you glad God's watching over us? David said, though I make my bed in hell, thou art there. Amen. The psalmist said, he guides me with his eye. He's watching over me. I've given the testimony, again, spoke a little bit to it this morning. Uh, Raised in a Christian home, saved at eight years of age, called to preach at 16, but went through a time in my life where I wasn't where I ought to be in my personal relationship with the Lord. Now get this, I was in church, I was always in church. Again, Lydics go to church. Uh, That was drummed into my head, that's what I did. I never thought anything of getting out of church. I was tithing. I was giving to missions. I mean, I'm doing all the things you're supposed to do, but my heart was far from the Lord, And I knew that, And so again, in that condition, I was down in Houston, Texas, away from my parents, on my own, really. And I'm here to tell you tonight, thank God for His gracious work, protection, guidance in my life. I could have ruined my life. I could have disqualified myself for ever being used in the way that God in his grace has used me in the last 44 years nearly. There were times I can look back on it and I just see what God would paint me in a corner. And he would keep me from myself. <laughs> Praise his name. Come on, the Lord loves us. He cares about you, don't ever think, and I'm gonna come to some of that in a minute. Don't ever think you're outside of God's care. Don't don't ever think you're outside of God's eye. He's watching over you. You know, long before I was ever saved, long before I was ever born, God knew about me. And he had a a plan for me. And so again, God's involvement in our lives, he's watching over us. When I was in Baptist Bible college, in Missouri, Springfield, Missouri, and I don't know if you know much about Missouri, but it's built on a pile of rocks. <laughs> and God sprinkled a little dirt over the top of it. And uh, so this, this apartment, we were living in the top apartment of an old house and in the backyard, I decided we we're going to raise a garden. We we're going to plant some garden. My mom was a big gardener, so I thought, yeah, let's save some money. We'll plant some garden. That Goodness gracious, I'm harvesting rocks, rocks, rocks. So I pulled out all these rocks, and so I, what am I gonna do with all these rocks? Well, I lined this garden. It was, I don't know, about 20 by 30 space, something like that. I lined it with all these rocks, you know. Well, the next spring, through the summer, you know, the grass has grown up in those rocks. <clears throat> so I thought, well, i want to get rid of that grass. I know what I'll do. I'll just put some gasoline on there and burn that grass out of there. So I came out there with this five gallon can of gas. You know where this is going, don't you? <laughs> it's got probably, I don't know, three, three and a half gallons in there. So I would, <clears throat> I would, you know, put some gas along for, you know, about 10 or 12 feet. I'd light that and I'd put it out, wait till it was out. And I'd go to the next bit and I'd put it down. So I did that about three or four times. Well, evidently, I uh, didn't notice there was a little ember left. And all of a sudden, boom, I'm, I'm holding a 5 callon can of gas. <laughs> that as it's coming out, it's on fire, it's burning. I just throw it. (laughs) I just throw the thing. And it lands about where the organ is there, I guess, and it kinda rolls over. And it's still just burning as it it comes out. So, I went and got the garden hose. I came over and put my foot out there (laughs) and I rolled that can over while I'm spraying on where the gas is coming out and it went out. And all of a sudden, it dawned on me, you idiot. (laughs) You could have been a flaming torch. What in the world? And I'm I'm telling you, as I'm standing here, I got so weak in the knees, legs. I had to sit down in that garden and I, I must've sit there 15 minutes. <clears throat> and I finally kind of gathered myself and went into the house to my wife. And she said, what happened? <laughs> I didn't say a word, I was white as a ghost. 15 minutes later, you know. <clears throat> I've often said, if I had any guardian angels, they said, Lord, I'm done. <laughs> that guy's an idiot. I resign. I, I can't take care of this idiot. You know? <laughs> but come on, I'm sure as as we go through life, all of us have some stories to tell in which by God's grace I survived some incident in life that left to me I wouldn't be here, you know? <laughs> in fact, I said my dad Thank God for mothers, if it was up to my dad, I wouldn't have survived, I would have bled to death as a kid, all that to say, God is good, (laughs) God is merciful. God is so gracious to take care of us in spite of ourselves because he loves us, yeah, he gave himself for us. God's watching over us. I mentioned this morning, God can do anything take a knothead from Kansas. Did that kind of stuff a lot in his life. He can allow him to be put in places where some great people and men and women of God have been used of God to help chisel me and (laughs) used by God's grace to help conform me put me into a place where God can use me Amen. in spite of me. When I was pastor, as people and staff would know, you'd after the service be out in the lobby, you're shaking hands with folks and <clears throat> they would come and say, thank you preacher that message, I'm telling you I needed that message and you're just such a blessing to me. And the old carnal nature says, like this. Well, it was pretty good. (laughs) When in fact, so often I was very conscious, I say, if I'm a blessing in any way to you, you ought to thank God because it's in spite of me. Come on, don't get smug. It's God's grace that he uses any of us. David said, what is man that thou art mindful of him? Yeah, thank God he does. It's a joy to serve him and be incorporated into his cause, what a, what a blessing. But again, let him get the praise and all the glory because it's he, him and him, him alone yeah. God can do anything and then Eutychus had to come to realize God wasn't done with him yet. <laughs> probably should have died, some say he probably was dead and God used Paul to raise him from the dead. But God wasn't done with him yet. Again, I think I told some of the students this last week, man out of my ministry, John Schombauer said one time, he said it and I wrote it down. He said, until God's done with you, you're invincible. <laughs> until God's done with you, you're invincible. Now, again, I wouldn't suggest you go out to the Grand Canyon and step off the edge. <laughs> God expects us to use our brains, hello. But come on, if we're a child of God, and he's watching out for us and he's got a will and a plan for our lives, then our steps are ordered, our days are numbered, come on. And he's in charge of all that. So come on, I am what I am by the grace of God. I continue on by the grace of God. But if God be for us again, who can be against us? Eutychus was where he ought to be. He's doing what he ought to do. He's realizing what he ought to realize. He was recognizing what he ought to recognize. Lastly, he was knowing what he ought to know. Look at verse number 12. They brought the young man alive and were not a little comforted, which means they were a lot comforted. (laughs) Come back to something I said a moment ago. If you think you're not important, think again. If you think God's people don't care about you, think again. If you don't think, if you think for some reason you're not valuable, think again. God talks about, in I think the book of Corinthians, where he places in the church those who he will. You're here on purpose. You're here by design. You are important. Come on, you are important. And he used the illustration of the body, you know, the nose saying, I have no need of the eye or whatever the case. Come on, I don't care what part you are, you're important. And don't ever think for a moment that you're not. Don't ever think that great Southwest Baptist Church has so many folks and so many great students that can be involved. It doesn't really matter if I go. Yes, it does matter. And it matters for you and it matters for everybody. You're important here. And Utica's realized, man, I'm telling you, they're making a big deal over here. Man, we are so glad you're okay. This is incredible. I saw you fall out. oh my word. Eutychus, we love you and we're so thankful. You're okay. Come on, you're important to God's cause. You're important to this work. You're important. I said, you're important. You're a key ingredient to what God does here. But if for some reason you say, well, I got evidence to the contrary. (laughs) No one really cares about me. I'll tell you who does care. You can cast all your care upon him for he cares for you. Everything about you, he cares about. He knows all about you. In fact, he cares more for you than you care for yourself. (laughs) So much so that he gave himself for you. Don't tell me you're of no worth. The son of God, the lamb of God gave himself as a sacrifice for your sins so that he could redeem you And then once redeeming you, that he could empower you by the presence of his very person in the way of the Holy Spirit and guide you and help you and come on, use you for his glory. So get a new view. Now, again, I understand there's (laughs) there's a ditch on either side of the road. Don't get to the point where you think you are somebody and God's lucky to have you. No, 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 no. You are what you are by the grace of God. But don't go to the other ditch and think you're worthless and, and Satan will beat you over the head. I mean, that guy is a rat. I talked about it this morning. The, the time he tempts you and leads you into doing something, some sin against God, and then, then he mocks you. And he says, see, you're no good. You worthless. God loved you, gave himself for you. Look what, you're, look what you've done with your life. That Dirty rat. <laughs> but don't buy into that. He loves you. He gave himself for you. He has the best in store for you. He loves you. So we are dirt. And we ought to have that opinion of ourselves. Jesus said it well, without me, you can do nothing. Well, better said maybe even, and for us to receive it, without me, you are nothing. But with him, if God be for us, who can be against us? Someone said, God and me, that's a majority. (laughs) And God loves you. He's got great things in store for you. Don't don't take second best. Talking to somebody today about, you know, there's two areas of will, God's will in our lives. One is permissive will, and it's okay. You know, you can enjoy some things. But that's second best. He wants you in his perfect will. And in his perfect will is, you know, joy unspeakable and full of glory. Eutychus, interesting story, amusing, kind of funny. There Paul was preaching long, yeah, till midnight. We got a long ways to go yet. <laughs> Let me say, by the way, again, we're getting soft. <laughs> I'm hearing missionaries talk about, yeah, if you come to the Philippines, certain areas of the Philippines, or you go to South America somewhere They wouldn't mind for you to preach till midnight. If you preach 30 minutes and done, they're saying we got short change. They they want you to preach on, you know. Well, we're getting soft. I know what you're saying. Yeah, but go ahead and finish up, preacher. (laughs) But God recorded this story because I think there's a lot there that we can apply to our own lives. Eutychus is used as a fine example. (laughs) He was where he ought to be. If you're glad you're here tonight, say, Amen. 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 Someone said, preachers don't count who's here, they count who's not here. Yeah, (laughs) that's our nature. But he was where he ought to be. He he was doing what he ought to do. He's realizing what he ought to realize. He was recognizing what he ought to recognize and then he was knowing what he ought to know. God loves us, wants to use us, do great and mighty things beyond what we could ask or think. For his glory, and our good. Let's bow our heads for prayer. Thank you, Heavenly Father, for the example of this young man, Eutychus. Thank you, Lord, that you included it in the canon of scripture. We know you did for a purpose, a whole lot more than what I could ever get out of the passage. But there are some things I think that are very important. Help us to realize what Eutychus came to know and realize in his own life and others about him came to realize, again, so often we take things for granted, we take people for granted. I'm sure they didn't after that incident. They were glad that he was okay. To continue continued to be in their midst and serving together with them. Lord, you admonished us to love one another and to pray for one another. All of that together with other things, speaking to the fact that we're supposed to realize how important Each and every one of us is in the cause of our savior. Thankful Lord that the fulfilling of the great commission is not on the shoulders of one or two individuals or on the shoulders of one or two churches. Jesus said, pray the Lord of the harvest he'd send forth laborers. There's such a need for more of us engaged and involved in God's work. Help us never take it lightly. Help us never think of it as not important or making any difference. Lord, we are your instruments that you intend to use to accomplish your will and your work. Help us be found faithful, help us be found usable and available that you can then accomplish what you desire to do through us, for us. Speak to hearts here tonight, encourage us with these truths. May Eutychus and this incident kind of find lodging in our heart. Help us recommit ourselves to our place before you and I'll thank you. In Jesus name, amen. Brother Ted.